National League Championship. They have beaten the Padres 4-3, and they celebrate on their home turf as the Phillies of the 2022 NL Champs. From WHYY and Billy Penn, it is hitting season and the hitting shoes were on as the Phillies took care of the Marlins 7-1 in game two of the National League wildcard series. They move on to take on the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS. Hey there, podcast pals. I am John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn, joined by my co-host Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports. We're going to be recapping game two of the wildcard series between the Phils and the Marlins. Just a thoroughly enjoyable, relaxing, fun-filled, raucous festival of baseball, Liz, uh, that we got to watch here. It's really nice to have a, a the ending of a clinching game where you, you know the, the ending is not in doubt. And, you know, we got so many moments from 2022. They're already starting to pile up here in 2023. Game two of the wildcard series had a few of them as well. First of all, Liz, initial thoughts on the Phillies winning this series, these first two games and moving on in a, in convincing fashion past the Marlins here in the wild card round. Great stuff here. Uh they looked really good. They were good. They <laughs> yes. were fun to watch. Everyone was into it. It was just it was you're right. It was the most fun. It was the most fun you could have watching a Phillies playoff game. Last night I was a bundle of nerves. And today yeah. was a lot easier. Uh, things will, of course, reset when we come back and do all this again on Saturday. But for now, like it was, it was, it was a great experience to just watch it on the couch and be like, "All right, you know." Once they got past a certain point, I'm like, "All right, this this feels all right. I, I feel fine. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not, I don't feel like I'm gonna die yet." <laughs> yeah, the game here on on Wednesday night, game two, really played itself out perfectly, and the whole the whole series. You couldn't have scripted a more perfect series for the Phillies. I mean, great starting pitching from Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Everybody in the lineup contributing in some way. So many different heroes, so many different guys doing different things. They got each of the high leverage relievers into one of these games at various points. They got the young reliever stud that they really like, get, get, got his feet wet in October a little bit. I mean, just everything. And then the Mart just totally shut down a Miami team that just wasn't ready for this stage, Liz. And that was the thing. You watch these two teams play. You see a Phillies team that looks like they are on a mission. They are on a mission to get back to the World Series and win it this time. They are firing on all cylinders right now. And they, you had a Marlins team, this poor Miami team. I, I feel dumb for feeling nervous about each of these games leading into them before, before they actually got played because Miami was a deer in headlights in this series, Liz. I mean, they just, they, they, they looked like the moment was a little bit too big for them. And, you know, a lot of teams discover that the moment's a little bit too big for them when they come into four hours of hell or I guess now with the pitch clock more like three and a half hours of hell but coming into Citizens Bank Park in the postseason is just a, a whole different animal you know this isn't coming into CBP in September or, or you know hosting the Phillies for a, a three-game series in July this is a whole other thing and these two teams just look like it would look like a a total mismatch here yeah first don't ever feel silly about being concerned about a competitor. <laughs> we know better than that. Fair. We, before, I mean, we could say we're not scared of any team. And I, I'll say this. I'm not scared of any, the Phillies facing any team. But you have to have a healthy respect. And the the Marlins were not nothing 
in the regular season. No. They have, you know, they beat the Phillies in their, you know, their season series. But you could tell that the, you know, the once it passes from the regular season, the 162 game slog to, all right, we've got this many games in front of us and we only get to that, those last games by winning. You know, you're right. They were on yeah. a mission. They, the Phillies were just really there, and the Marlins just didn't look like they understood what it was to to transition to the playoff mentality. Like, I hate being like, they need ha- to have experience, because the Phillies didn't really have experience last year. But they no, were, they didn't. They didn't. They so naturally were in that mode, because they'd had to fight all year. They had to fight mm-hmm. all year last year so they they really slid into that naturally this year they were ready and prepared to move right into the playoffs to be like all right we have the this isn't 162 games this is this is a handful of games that we can do it yeah yeah and I, I think the difference between the Phillies last year and the Marlins this year the Marlins have a lot of really young guys on their team the Phillies did have the advantage of having Bryce Harper who had played in the playoffs he hadn't had a lot of success in the postseason but you had Kyle Schwarber I think he's been the big difference between like what the Marlins have now and what the Phillies have that that's kind of like your link to postseason success there there, yeah, there was a, right. a guy or two on the Phillies that kind of had that experience and they really the Marlins really don't have anybody like that maybe you know Josh Bell with the Padres got to the NLCS last year there may be another guy or two David Robertson got to the World Series with the Phillies last year but nobody's nobody's sitting around David Robertson's uh, uh, locker you know feasting on the David Robertson stories from the postseason you know what I mean like there's just you, you don't have that kind of thing going on in Miami and and with the Phillies last year you did have a couple of guys and you know the Phillies so many veteran players last year they they got that playoff monkey off their back and it just seemed like they played loose and free they were playing with house money but they were they were talented they and the 2022 Phillies are a more talented team than the 2023 Marlins are by far. They have far more superstars yes. on, on uh, had more superstars on that team. And this year's 2023 team is better than last year's team. It, it just it's what looking at what this Phillies roster is right now and being a, like they just they, they're 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 playing as well as you could expect them to play and, and coming to Citizens Bank Park for a playoff series. It's it's just a different animal. David Cohn said it at the end of the game here on in, in game two. He said there are home field advantages and then there's Philadelphia. And it's a different level here. That's backed up by the fact that the Phillies are 24 and 11 all time in the playoffs at Citizens Bank Park. That is the best winning percentage at any home ballpark for any major league baseball team with a minimum of 20 games. This is the best postseason home field advantage and you just you you I want we're going to get into the different performances from Nola the Bryson Stott grand slam we're going to get into all that in just a second but really it's just the the aura around this team and the fan base and the the announcers just like Joe Davis and John Smoltz last year couldn't stop talking about the fans in the stands Carl Ravitch David Cohn everybody else that they had on the broadcast couldn't stop talking about the fans. They couldn't stop talking about the energy in the building. Where have you been? The, I mean, well, I mean, the funny thing is, this was a narrative all last year. It shouldn't have surprised anybody this year, but it just must be so palpable Yeah. that you can't help but talk about it, and it's got to affect the play on the field, right? It really does. I mean, to know that you have that backing you up and that 
all of those cheers are are for you. You know, that has to be like I thought about that when Orion Kirkering was pitching. I'm like, this you if you could bottle his adrenaline right now, <laughs> you would make <laughs> yeah. I, I mean you that 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 millionaire or that billionaire, whoever he is, who's trying to uh who's forty six and trying to turn back the hands of time and look twenty three again. Like you could sell that to him and make so much money. Like his inside of his head, it must have been absolutely bonkers for him to just be there in like his fourth major league game ever, mm-hmm. right in that situation with you know forty six thousand people screaming their brains out for him, for him, yeah. like yeah, imagine, for him. like I That's just crazy. thinking about that when I was watching on the couch, I got like a little lightheaded. I'm like, that has to be. One of the most intoxicating situations ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was, I mean, he started the season. You're talking, Orion oh, Kirkring started the season in A-ball. Yes. And, and here he is. Here, here he is in the eighth inning of a game in which you're going to clinch a playoff spot and, and go to the and go to the uh, National League Division Series. He officially became the first Phillies pitcher to make his debut in September and pitch in the postseason since Marty Bystrom in 1980. But it's not it's not even that Orion Kirkman got called up at the beginning of September. Like they called him up with a week left in the season. Like, hey, let's see what the kids got. You know what I mean? And he comes out and he throws nine pitches, eight of them strikes. He had that sweeper strikeout in that inning. I mean, just like. It, this whole team is playing on a different level right now, and we, we this is this will be the Phillies' seventh National League Division Series appearance since 2007. That's third most in baseball, behind only the Dodgers and the Braves, which is just and they had it's like incredible. a whole bunch of time where they didn't even I know. go. <laughs> I know, I know, and it's just I, I love this. I love this team. There's a different energy with this group, this 2022-23 group, than with the Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard group. Oh, yeah. That was a different energy, and and that was a great energy. It was obviously it's legendary. We'll never forget it. But this this feels, and I, I I'm gonna sound, I, I think I'm gonna, and maybe this is gonna sound, I don't know, dumb or you know, blasphemous. I think I know I what you're what gonna say, say, but let's let's hear. I think I, I think I know that where this you're feels going. more fun to me. Yes, this yes, feels yes, more fun, and, and and maybe it's because we don't have the pressure of like. You know, we have that 2008 championship that was not long ago. That that 2008 team, that was in the middle of like a 25-year stretch where no Philly team had won a championship. And we have since had, you know, a couple of championships since then, the Eagles and the Phillies got. And so there's not that there's not that over and overarching sense of like they, they, they gotta they gotta win a championship. You know, we're so starved for a championship, they gotta win it. Like we can just enjoy this. Now, don't no doubt there's unfinished business. Like they they want to get back there. They want to win this World Series. We desperately want them to win this World Series, but it just feels like there's there's a more it's a more joyful atmosphere with this group right now. And we'll see how long it lasts. We'll see how long this playoff run goes, but right now it's it's just palpable what this team is giving the fan base right now. And it's a two-way street, I think, and that's what makes this so cool. Now. I think it I think a lot of it is at least some of it is the eras in baseball have changed. You think of that team and you yeah. you know that they're slapping five and they're they're being friendly, but they didn't have this very deep family vibe that the Phillies. Yeah, it's a give very off. deep family vibe. This mm-hmm. um like teams now like this type of chemistry is is considered ideal on teams because they're not playing they're playing for a, a common goal, 
but mm-hmm. they're playing for each other and yeah. not to let each other down. It's a special kind of relationship that I I don't know, and I, I don't know a lot about coaching, but I feel like this type of thing has been, at least it's been something people have noticed more lately. And I think that makes a huge difference. Like players are are more free to express themselves. Like if you think yeah. 15 years ago, people in general weren't as free to express themselves <laughs> as they are now. Yeah. Like that in and of itself is a huge change. So if you take the changes in the fan base and the team and baseball and all of the years since and you you come up with this moment in time where we are right now where everything feels like it's supposed to be happening. You know, it, everything I think, feels right and good. Yeah. I, I think that this is exemplified in one guy especially, and that's that's Brandon Marsh, and I'll just use him as an example. A guy who was maybe your second or third most productive hitter this year, carried the team in April and May with like an OPS of 850, clearly took a huge step forward this year offensively. And emerged as a as a as a regular contributor, a very important contributor to this team. A member of the daycare, one of the really important cogs of this team. He gets one at bat in this playoffs in, in these two first two games. Doesn't start. A guy named Christian Pache gets the starts over him, and Pache contributed. He he had a he had a good two games in in this series. Rob Thompson decides to sit Marsh lefty on lefty because Marsh hasn't been seeing the ball well against left-handers. Marsh is ear to ear smiles as amped up as anybody in the clubhouse for for Rojas, for Pache, for for every I mean into it. It like there'd be some there are some teams where a guy who is on the bench for these two playoff games would be pouting. And I think the whole team is like that. Like the, all of these guys together are like that, man. You just, you know, they're they're lifting each other up. Everybody is, ha- I mean, they said it on the broadcast and I think we've heard Kyle Schwarber say stuff like this. There's no clicks on the team like every, it's one group and it just it makes it so much fun when you know that watching yes. these guys man it's just it's so cool and that's like that is like such a key difference from the 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 previous era the mm-hmm. the Kapler slash Girardi era where it it didn't feel like everyone was together you didn't know anything that was going on in the clubhouse everything felt secretive you know, it felt like sometimes people were angry at other people. It, 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 everything felt disjointed and disconnected. And the, just the, the happenstance of chemistry that has yeah. brought ever, everyone together to work well together uh, is just extraordinary. You know, I, and I think you mentioned Kyle Schwarber earlier and there have been a couple of great stories um, over the yep. last few days about Kyle Schwarber. Um, my husband read something to me from a story or from Twitter. I wish I could remember. I, he had told me where he read it from, but it was a number of players talking about how Kyle Schwarber was like the glue on their team. Yes. He was mm-hmm. the guy. He, there is like people, uh, his play, his uh, teammates from the Cubs said there is no World Series without Kyle Schwarber. <sighs> there is no, we don't break the curse in Chicago without Kyle Schwarber. You know, that type of thing. So, yeah. you know, that I think signing him, I feel like that might end up being one of the most significant 
moves of this era. Yeah. Because he has, I mean, all all signs point to him being the guy who's really pulled the team together and helped them understand how to play in this way that brings these types of rewards. Mm-hmm. Should we talk a little bit about Aaron Nola, Liz? Um, yes, let's do it. I'm willing to talk about Aaron Nola, Mark, the day and time. <laughs> this will be our most pleasant Aaron Nola conversation of the season because yes. that man answered the bell here in game two of the wild he card series. good. Oh, man. He continued his late season, his his late season run his from his final two starts of the season. Carry, we were wondering, would he carry it over? And we talked on the last podcast uh, that we all did together. Uh, I, I say Aaron Nola is the most important member of this team move to, to get to the World Series and, and, and win it. And you saw you saw why tonight. Uh, seven mm-hmm. innings of shutout ball. Uh, it really was kind of proof that his last two starts uh, from the end of the season were not a fluke. Three hits allowed in seven innings. One walk, just three strikeouts, but got a ton of ground balls. You look at his last three starts, including those last two, uh, three earned runs in 19 and two-thirds innings. He's the eighth pitcher in Philly's franchise history to throw seven or more scoreless innings in a playoff game. And he's moving up the rankings in terms of most postseason starts in Philly's history with six innings or more and one or zero runs allowed. And uh, Steve Carlton, Cole Hamels both have four. Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler now with three, tied with Cliff Lee. Um, And he joins Cole Hamels as the only Phillies pitcher ever to throw seven or more scoreless innings in a postseason series clincher. Cole Hamels, the only other one who tossed that complete game shutout in game three of the 2010 NLDS against the Reds. <laughs> which was which is a legendary start that we don't ever talk about. Yeah, I know. We, we oh don't, my god. Oof. Yeah, I remember. I you, he's that on the mound for the clincher. Legitimately, I'm angry mm-hmm. at myself. I have to go find highlights of that when this is over. Well, it's because it happened four days after Halliday's no hitter. Oh, so I mean, yeah. it totally got overshadowed by Halliday's no hitter. But Cole Hamels threw a complete game shutout. It was like a three hitter he threw against the Reds or something like that. So. Um, I think he struck out Scott Rowland to end it, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> so, nice. um, yeah. So, so Aaron Nola in this game, I mean, he just he was he was hitting his spots. He was staying out of the middle of the plate. And I think the most important thing was, for most of the game, he was not in in, in trouble. He was he was just mowing through a, an overwhelmed and overmatched Miami lineup. But there were a few times he did get himself in trouble, and this is where you always hold your breath with Nola. Mm-hmm. Is he going to strand these guys? Is he going to figure out a way to get out of it? There was a runner on second with one out in the third inning, but he got him. He picked him off. There was a tying run at the plate in the fifth, but he erased that on a double play. And then the leadoff man got on in the sixth, and he erased that guy with a double play. And Alex Coffey wrote a story this week about a tweak that Nola said he made to his delivery after his start in St. Louis on September 15th. He noticed that he was stepping across his body a little bit, so he worked on squaring his shoulders up, which has apparently miraculously (laughs) helped his command and turned him back into the Aaron Nola that, paired with Zach Wheeler, gives you that bona fide number one and number 1A starter that we saw in St. Louis last year in the wild card round was so important to moving on to the NLDS. Those two guys did it again in this series, Liz. Just a tremendous performance from Arenola here in game two. It was a thing of beauty. Like, he, in the sixth and seventh innings, those are when, that's when you hold your breath, as you said. Every time that he gave you reasons to hold your breath. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to paper over that, but he really did 
pull through. He slowed himself down a little. He wasn't going as quickly as he had been. And I think his velocity also dipped somewhat. But he 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 held the line. He was able to yeah. pull himself together and throw the pitches he needed to throw and do some ground balls. The double plays were just, I was just like, I can't believe he did that. I, that's exactly yeah. the pitch he <laughs> needed to throw that needed to go exactly where it went and everything happened. I can't believe it. Like I couldn't and, and believe Miami it. Is, he is a good pitcher, yeah. but like it was, it yeah. was stunning. Well, I mean, and this this was exactly what we were hoping to see, obviously, from those last two starts. And you wonder, like, were, the, were those fluky? Because he's had some some outings this year where he pitched a couple good games in a row, and then it, it blew up on him. But uh, this, I think, you know, he definitely benefited from a weak-hitting Miami offense that just doesn't hit many home runs. And, you know, that, was a, that certainly is a help. We'll see how he fares against Atlanta. But he pitched really well against the Braves in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. That was the, the first of the, the final two starts of the season where he pitched really well and in that start and in his final start against the Pirates he's hitting his spots and Nola has to do that he's got to hit his one of the fun things I thought I saw was him going to a a slide step now with a runner on Mm -hmm. first did you see the slide step I mean it was really quick to the plate but the good thing is he didn't sacrifice command with the slide step he was still throwing the ball where he where he needed it to be you know it's it's it boggles my mind sometimes Liz how like a a pitcher can make a tweak to his delivery with like two starts left in the season. And it's like, oh, I'm good again. You know, <laughs> how does that happen? Like, how do you, how does somebody not catch that like earlier in the season? Or maybe he wasn't doing that earlier in the season and it was something else. But I'm always amazed that when somebody says, oh yeah, I unlocked a mechanical thing and, and now I'm great. I <laughs> just, it's beyond me. It's it's so funny, but body, that seems to be what happened. The human body is a, is a weird thing. It's a weird thing. And like, this is understanding how their bodies work. This is part of their jobs and part of the jobs of the coaches there. And so like the fact that they are able to even notice things and understand that that might help it, that in and of itself always boggles my mind. Like you're just Mm -hmm. watching all this film and looking, like it's spot the difference from highlights only, you know, for grownups in baseball. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. It, it, it's it's um, it, it's you're right. The body is is a weird thing. Um, but uh, I'm glad he I'm glad he spotted something and we'll see how long he can keep it rolling. And remember, Aaron Nola last year in the NLDS uh, against uh, against the Braves was was amazing in that start in game three. Uh, Wheeler and Nola combined in these first two games in the wild card round against the Miami Marlins, 13 and two thirds innings, eight hits one run, one walk, 11 strikeouts. Mm. This is the, the, this is the formula, right? I mean, if you want if you want this Phillies team to go deep, this is the formula. These two guys, they're going to pitch twice in any series from here on out in, in a five game series or a seven game series. You get consistent efforts like this from these two guys moving forward. And again, they're going to face better teams than the Marlins moving forward. The Marlins were an 84-win team. They had a negative run differential this year. I get all that, but they were still a dangerous team coming into the playoffs. They they had hurt the Phillies this year in different games. I don't know that it really would have mattered who they were facing with the way they were throwing in this series. I mean... Zach Wheeler in game one was throwing 98, 99 miles an hour and hitting corners. Like he didn't oh. have a, there didn't need a single ball over the middle of the plate. And then you have Aaron Nola doing what he did with everything, having movement and nothing over the middle of the plate. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't care who you're pitching against. Nobody's hitting that stuff. No, no, 
No one's doing that. And I just want to mention real quick, Gregory Soto, they were able to get him in to close out the game, which I thought was yes. really great considering Very he's smart. had an up and down year and he was he was blowing triple digits. And I'm just yeah. like, this dude, it, he could go to the moon right now. If you asked yeah. him to, he would jump right up there. It was so cool to see. It was a really awesome way to close out the game, especially after Aranola had had been so great. It was sort of nice to see the redemption, you know, from these some of these yep. players who have not had the the most reliable seasons. Yeah, and credit Rob Thompson for for knowing when to get those guys in. I mean, it was the perfect situation to put a Ryan Kirkering into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was the perfect spot to give Gregory Soto a feel good. I mean, that's got to feel great to be on the mound for the clinching moment. You know, it, it I mean, does. that's that gets got to give you some confidence to 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 know. You know, you were you got the last out on a hundred mile an hour fastball. Just uh, you know, great stuff from uh, from Greg Soto and a Ryan Kirk. Sorry, you guys can hear that. Uh, losing my voice a little bit. I mentioned that on the podcast last night. Just uh, a cold coming on, but also um, pretty fired up about this about this win oh, yeah. here in game two. Um, <laughs> we got to talk about Bryson Stott's Grand Slam. You know, this is this is going to be as this postseason goes along. There's one of those moments. You know, there's so many from 2022. This is going to be one of the 2023 moments, and may, maybe it's the first one that you queue up. Although I think Bryce Harper flipping the helmet off as he as he rounds third and runs through Dusty Wathen's stop sign in Game One, uh, <laughs> maybe it's the first moment. I uh, just want a great great moment We're that so was. We're so lucky Bryson to Stott. have so many to choose from already. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that's 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 what the fun thing is about this team. But uh, Bryson Stott coming up in the sixth inning uh, delivers the biggest hit of his career. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, Philly's up three to nothing, looking for a little bit more insurance. And then Bryson Stott, who had no career grand slams before tonight, hits only the Phillies' second ever postseason grand slam, puts the Phillies up seven to nothing. And just there's so many different camera angles now for all these big moments. If you're on if you're on Twitter at all, and, and I'm sure you can see them on on YouTube and, and everywhere else. I'm sure they're on the gram and everything else. That like the the side view of these moments are my favorite. I had to say it had one with Bryce Harper last year in game five, another one with Bryce and Stott here in this game. It's a field level side view without any announcers. You see the hit and then you just see the entire place explode. And, and you get the, you get the, the Phillies players reactions in the dugout, leaping over the fence and slamming people to the ground. I mean, they're body slamming each other. You know, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprised if they're going into the stands and grabbing people out of the stands and throwing them up in the air and then coming back down to the dugout. I mean, it's, <laughs> The, the excitement, the, the the goosebumps is just, it, it's amazing. 27 career plate appearances with the bases loaded in the regular season. No grand slams for, for Bryson Stott. Does a bat slam channeling Reese Hoskins. And he said during the postgame celebration, he didn't even remember slamming the bat down after, ah! the, after the grand slam. Just I love it. Talk about he that. Liz, that, that moment, that's going to be one of these moments. Yep. I like that he, he I remember... Reese's home run last year, he knew it was out the moment he hit it, and the bat was on the ground immediately. Stott yeah. waited. He did not, he was not necessarily <laughs> he wanted sure to watch that it. was going out <laughs> and, and did not want to look like an idiot, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the Oh, see, I disagree. I, I think he knew it. I think he knew it right away and wanted to watch it. I mean, he hit that ball so um, solid, he had to know that was going out. Of course. That was, I mean, that was an... Both home runs tonight I saw coming as they were coming in. 
as they as the balls were yep. coming in towards the bat, I'm like, oh no. Oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> Both times, yeah. I'm like, you don't want to throw a ball right there. Don't do that. Except no. yes, do that. My my eight year old called it. He was watching the game with me for a little bit, and he said, "I think Stott's hitting a home run, Dad." Uh, I was like, "Man, I, I'll take it. I'll take a grand slam." And darned if uh, Stott didn't turn around like was a ninety six mile an hour fastball from a very good, mm. a very good left handed Florida reliever in Nardi, uh, who has I think had a two seventy ERA or something like that this year. Uh, but again, just the second. Postseason Grand Slam in Philly's history, of course, the Shane Victorino Grand Slam off CC Sabathia was the first. Shane Victorino quote tweeted Bryson Stott's Grand Slam and was <laughs> saying congratulations. And so, yeah, just it's so cool that uh, Victorino is still dialed in with the Phillies and and, and what they're doing. Um, and by the way, is there I think a better he's phrase? Bored. I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah, he probably is a little bit bored. What time is it in Hawaii anyway? I don't even know what the time it's difference early, is. is I'm going to say it's it's a. Uh, it's- I'm trying to remember how much time it is back. It's like at least six. I think it's about five, six hours, maybe. Yeah, see, I'll bet you Victorino's a rise and grind guy. He's probably up at like, you know, five in the morning. He gets his run in or whatever, you know? Don't you think so? Like, I don't think Victorino's a guy who's like, oh, I'm going to sleep until 1030, maybe play, you know, round of golf, you know, get, you know, have a live the Hawaii life. I'll bet you he's a grinder. Yeah, he probably is. So I'm going to say he owns a dispensary. So <laughs> I'm going to say grind in Hawaii. Like I'll say general, you know, rising grind in Hawaii might have a generally different definition than it does here. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's fair. And I saw is Grand Slam. That's like the coolest phrase in professional sports, isn't it? Like when you think I about think like, so. like it, it, it's it perfectly encapsulates what it is you just saw like that is a grand slam it's just it's the perfect sports phrase i can't i don't think there's a better sports phrase going yeah like it's it's like not every like i think every every sport is like an escalator of points for different things you could score but like baseball has a lot you know there's a lot of different choices you have you know when a a ball leaves the bat right so like yeah a grand slam is like it's all of the things in one together. It's you. It's it, with one hit you've done. You've checked all of the boxes on both sides, right? I don't yep. think there's another in another sport. There isn't a single. There isn't a single thing you can do that does that. Like you throw yeah. a touchdown, yeah. that is six points always. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. This is a, this is like the most optimal home run. You 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 as a single hitter cannot possibly account for more than four runs at any one time, but you can account for three or two or one or most of the time nothing. And and, and these are <laughs> these are rare enough. Grand slams are rare enough that they're special, especially in the postseason. And the Phillies have been around for 140 years, 30 years, whatever it is, and uh and and have two of them in their in their franchise history. And Bryson Stott, um the second one. And I thought uh Shil Kapadia uh from the ringer had an interesting stat. I said last postseason, Bryson Stott saw 132 four-seam fastballs, according to True Media Sports. He did not have a hit on any of them. Uh, through two games this postseason, he's seen 12 four-seam fastballs and has two hits on them, including the the Grand Slam. And I thought it was really interesting. Uh, they were interviewing Stott after the Grand Slam 
Oh, no, it was after the game. ESPN was interviewing him, and they were asking him about his ability to hit high fastballs now because this was something Stott went into the offseason trying to work on. He was saying because he's a right-handed thrower, I didn't know this, list. because he's a right-handed thrower and a left-handed hitter, for some reason, that generally means that as a hitter, your swing is going to be more geared towards swinging low in the zone. And we've, all, we've, we've always seen that Bryson Stott can handle like breaking pitches low in the zone but he'd had trouble with high fastballs. So he said what he did this offseason in order to kind of train his muscles, train his brain, train his body, he started doing pretty much everything left-handed, like playing ping pong left-handed, um, trying to do more writing left-handed. Um, but like everything that he would, <laughs> painting, like he, he, everything he would do with his right hand, he started to try to do with his left hand to train his body, to train his muscles, to train himself, to hit, to, to have a high, to, for his bat plane to to be accessible higher in the zone. Is that the craziest thing? Like, That's what is wild? I mean, the professional athletes are made of a different fabric. Again, like I like, said, athletes and like yeah. <laughs> they have bodies are insane, and that athletes understand and know so much about their bodies and the exact impact of what they do to it, or they don't. They just hope. Bryson Stott did this, yeah. hoping he's like, maybe this will work. And it did. That's bonkers. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's some sports scientist who told him, if you if you know, if you play ping pong with your left hand, you might be able to hit that high fastball. I mean, that's the thing. Who, who, I mean how, how does that even make any sense? But I'm sure they, they've, they've got, you know, physiological charts that will show you that that's, that's the, that's the right way to, to train your body to do that. But just, just ridiculous that, I mean, that takes dedication too. like a whole off season where you're using your non-dominant hand to do stuff like that's, that, that's just, it's just crazy. And he paid off in game two of the wild card series. Just, in, mm -hmm. just incredible. Um, a couple other things before we, before we finish up here. Um, one thing is that last year, the Phillies had a couple of holes in that lineup, you know, like Nick Castellanos was struggling. Um, Bryson Stott, Brandon Marsh, Alec Bohm were not the players that they are this year. There's no rest in this lineup. Like on, in game one, it was Bohm and Turner, Castellanos, Pache and Rojas who delivered the big blows. And in game two it was Schwarber with the big RBI double to get them on the board. Turner had another big night. Turner was probably the best overall player in the two games in this series, multiple hits, bunch of doubles, bunch of stolen bases, some big RBIs in some important spots. Like, this is why you got Trey Turner. Like, yes. this, the upgrade from him over Gene Segura, who played, had some good playoff games last year, but th this is a whole other thing, what Trey Turner gave them in these first two games. And that's, it, he's he's clearly on a good glide path now. And mm -hmm. and they, they're getting optimal Trey Turner. Boehm had some more big hits in game two. And then you had the, the power swings. Like the Phillies hadn't hit many home runs until midway through game two when JT Real Muto hit an absolute tank shot to left field. Oh, uh, he had a double yeah. in the in the first inning too. So, I mean, Real Muto's finally hitting. Like his, his swing is where you want it to be. And then you had the big grand slam by Bryson Stott. Pretty much everybody in the lineup doing it all against the Marlins. 10 extra base hits for the Phillies in this series with eight doubles and two home runs. Just up and down the lineup, Liz, there's not a break. Even when you, even Pache and, and Rojas chipped in with some offensive production. There's just not a break for anybody. This is it. This is this is what we've been waiting for. Yeah. This is why they got all these guys and now everyone is is doing what they're supposed to do. And and it's it's really exciting. I'm so I'm psyched. I let's let's do it. I'm ready for the next stuff. Let's let's <laughs> come on. 
Well, the next thing up is Braves-Phillies. I mean, this is going to be the best series of the postseason. I, I think these are the two. These might be, and maybe I'm blowing sunshine up the Phillies right now, but I would take the Phillies over pretty much any team in the American League right now. I just don't think the American League field is all that strong this season. And and at the moment, I think these, I think these are the two best teams in the National League. I think these are the two most complete teams in baseball. I think this is going to be the best series in baseball. It's a shame that it's, it actually probably works in the Phillies' favor that it's only a five-game series. A shorter series tends to favor the underdog most of the time. And this has just got to be the nightmare scenario for the Braves. The way these two games played out, they had to be watching these games and thinking to themselves, good heavens, we won 104 games this season. We finished like 15 games ahead of this baseball team. And this is what we've got to deal with. Like, what is their level of fear of the Phillies? Like, they 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 have to be looking at what the Phillies did and thinking to themselves, they're, they're a machine too right now. Like, this is a team that's on a mission. And this, this, this can't be what the Braves want to see. I mean, I'm sure they don't. But I don't think the Braves are scared of anyone. And I don't think the Phillies are either. And that's what's going to make this series so great. Because, I mean, this isn't the Phillies last year building up their confidence as they went along. You know, after beating mm-hmm. the Cardinals, they went on the Braves. Like, oh, my God, they beat the Braves. And then after that, <laughs> yeah. it was just like, wow, we could really do this. Like, now, from this moment, from the moment the first game started, every fan knew and every player knew what they could do, what they needed to do. And so, like, this is, this is it. This is the, this is what I want to see. I mean, they, yeah. there's a reason the Phillies have been in the play in the in the uh, the primetime spot. You know, the the Phillies drove the playoffs last year. Yes, they did. They drove. Yes, they they did. were the biggest storyline. They were the most fun team with the most exciting players, and they they became like the the darlings, and everyone tuned in. And they're betting on that happening again because it's mostly the same guys, but with more of this of but it's but more better, more better guys, more better indeed. I like more better. Yes, don't we all? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like more better. There, there's no doubt that these will be the primetime games most yeah. of the most of the way. Like they're they're just the star power with these two teams. They absolutely are going to put these games on in primetime. Like the, these are going to be the marquee games in, in the division series. I would expect all these games to be in primetime. It starts on Saturday. Uh, the Phillies in Atlanta and the Braves have home field, but this is the third time these two teams will have met in the playoffs. Of course, 1993 and last year, those two went very well for the Phillies. And uh, it certainly seems as though uh, this will be the marquee matchup. And, and real quick, all the other three series, Liz, all the other three teams, uh, series winners swept their opponents as well. So the the, the wild card round is over, and so we all have uh, now three days on or two days on the baseball calendar where nothing is going to happen. Uh, Thursday and Friday, everybody has off, and then everybody will get back into action for the division series on Saturday. Of course, you have the Phillies and the Braves, uh, the Texas Rangers. Swept the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, and they'll take on the Baltimore Orioles in one of the American League division matchups. The Minnesota Twins finally get off the schneid, Liz. They made it past the division round, uh, taking care of the Blue Jays. So now their reward is to go take on the defending world champion Astros in the other ALDS. And then, of course, you've got the Arizona Diamondbacks, who dispatched the Brewers in two pretty easy games. I'm kind of... You know, watching the Brewers take, watching the Diamondbacks take care of the Brewers, I'm kind of glad the Phillies got the Marlins here in this division series. So, yeah. uh, the Dodgers, I think, will have their hands full 
with Arizona. And I, 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 there's a part of me that kind of expects Arizona to come out on top in that series, given the Dodgers pitching problems. But me too. you know, well, watching the Diamondbacks, they they, <laughs> they are playing with a 2022 like Phillies confidence. They are just yeah. like they they're feeling their way around. They're sort of like in the dark before their eyes have gotten used to it, but they're they're finding something. They they are fun to watch. Corbin Carroll is just screaming, He's screaming a stud. his way yeah. across the bases all the time. Um, they're going to be fun to watch. I I do just like you kind of expect them to come out on top. Uh, the to me the Dodgers have been an, a highly boring team. I'm I'm ready mm-hmm. to see them bounce early. Let's let let's bring on bring on the new blood. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I think I'm either way, you know, I, can you imagine another Phillies Dodgers NLCS? I don't want to put the cart before the horse because you got to get past the Braves, but that would be funny because these two teams seem to they like are are instinctively drawn towards each other in National League Championship Series. But that's <laughs> that's we're not even going to go there because up next it's the NLDS, the Phillies and the Braves. Again, that'll get started on Saturday, game one in Atlanta. It'll most likely be Ranger Suarez who gets the start for the Phillies and he'll go up against Spencer Strider who has had the Phillies number. He's And I wrote an article about Spencer Strider and the Phillies for the good fight a few weeks back. Um, he, in the last century of baseball, no pitcher has been better against the Phillies than Spencer Strider. You can look at a number of different metrics. It's going to be a tall task for the Phillies to take down the <clears throat> the Atlanta Ace, although, again, they did do it in Game 3 of the NLDS last year, although under different circumstances for sure. But we've got a few different days to work ourselves into a frenzy for this Phillies-Brave series. In the meantime, uh, we're going we're gonna to relish this victory over the Marlins, this tremendous two-game series sweep in the wildcard round uh, against the Fish. And uh, again, this Phillies team just looks like they are absolutely on a mission. Liz, any final thoughts about this wild card series or about this team or about this life that we're living before we wrap about up this here? Life that we're living. Um, <coughs> Justin and I will be uh, releasing an episode Friday. We'll be recording it maybe Friday morning, but we'll be previewing, of course, the Brave series, saying more of the things Beautiful. that you heard here, but in a different order, <laughs> using different words. Um, uh, and, and funnier. Yes, funnier, probably. More creative, because Justin and you will be doing it, so yeah. It will be the middle of the day, presumably, and not almost midnight, so you can expect me to be (laughs) a lot more awake. Uh, So yeah, tune in. Uh, We're excited for you to come join, and if you've seen any great celebration videos, please send them my way. I love to save them and catalog them to watch when I'm feeling blue during the wintertime. Absolutely. They're so good, and the Phillies have just, they've mastered the art of the clubhouse celebration. Oh, yeah. um, Garrett Stubbs really he can never leave simply he's he's the ringmaster of these things and it's it's just tremendous online content but yes. um, yeah tremendous stuff from the Phillies too here in this two game series sweep of the Miami Marlins uh, enjoy it everybody watch all those different highlights uh, Nick Picone on Twitter by the way he's he's my favorite person to go hit up on Twitter after these games because I love hearing like the um, the, the other teams radio and TV broadcasts the crestfallen nature of the uh, of the calls um it's a it's a, just a different kind of lifeblood that gets that gets put into your veins and so <laughs> that's that's I'm what sorry, i'm gonna be I doing after love, we're done like, recording john the nicest man i know like truly the nicest man i know it was like i love hearing them feel i love it hearing the dream die in their voice of the life go out of them i love listening I, to them lose the will to live <laughs> 
it's kind of like a there but for the grace of God go I type thing. And so I, I don't know what it is, but uh, that's what I'll be doing in order to get me off to sleep tonight here yes. uh, to try and calm my bones down. But a uh, tremendous win in game two here by the Phillies. And of course, uh, like Liz said, we'll have a preview of the Brave series coming up on Friday. And then uh, we'll be back uh, to recap each and each and every one of these games against the Braves in this division series. And uh, let's see if we can take this magic carpet ride just a, a little bit further with one of the most fun baseball teams uh, that we've ever seen. So, uh, folks, thanks for joining us here on this episode of Hitting Season. And we look forward to talking to you again here in just a couple of days to preview what we think is going to be maybe the best series of the postseason. We'll do all that coming up on the next edition of Hitting Season. <laughs>